acknowledged fears in the audience. However, it's not the only attendee. So is growth, joy, abundance, and courage. Hello, everybody, and welcome to B Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. Now, how are you all doing this week? I am feeling very replenished after spending my last weekend at uh, the Africa Diaspora Summit hosted by the lovely, lovely OMEC team. Um, and honestly, it's being in the company of smart, enterprising, talented black people for me. You should definitely check out OMEC. I will put the information in the show notes. It's a great community space, um, bringing together like-minded uh, black people for our personal and professional advancement. Now let's jump into the episode. I'm super excited to introduce to you Courtney Bradwell, my almost birthday twin. We are both July babies and we've actually celebrated our birthdays together in the past. Now, Courtney finally moved to the Netherlands from Ohio after a two to three year journey, which started out as, you know, a personal dream that turned into a love story that turned into a resilient story. I am super impressed by how Courtney took control of her own destiny and kept forging ahead in the face of difficulties, such as navigating the job market in the Netherlands. And most importantly for me, she invested in herself along the way, including getting coaches to help her sharpen her toolkit for navigating the corporate world. We also chatted about Courtney's experiences with race in the Netherlands and the differences between the US and the Netherlands socially and professionally for her. Now, shout out to Netherlands Black Women, the community that was the lifeline for both Courtney and I when we moved. Uh, again, great community. If you're a black woman in the Netherlands, definitely check it out. The information will be in the show notes. Now, let's get into Courtney's story. Courtney, hi. It is so good to see you. Yes, it's been a while, so I'm glad to finally see you on this side of the world. <laughs> oh my God, I know. Like from the time when you were still preparing to get here and going through all that immigration stuff and then finally getting here and we still can see each other because yeah, COVID won't let us be great. Right. But yeah. we're in the same time zone, got through immigration, you know, finally got over here, just happened to be, you know, in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So <laughs> yes, life is going to do life, you know, yeah. <laughs> and we are going to do our life, which right. is what you did getting here. So I'm super excited to get into that story. Welcome to B-Squared C. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, so the moment I, I knew I was, at least when I had clarity that I'm going to shape my next season around the Netherlands, I already knew. I was like, Courtney, we got to do this. <laughs> <laughs> we got to tell your story. Let's start with first introducing you to our audience. I would love for you to introduce yourself with three stories, anecdotes, or experiences that speak to who you are. Uh, sure. My name is Courtney Bradwell. So mm -hmm. I was born and raised in central Ohio. Stories <laughs> about myself. I spent my childhood through high school going to Catholic school. So anybody who knows Catholic schools, wow. um, I've had the same set of friends from I was five or six to my adult age now. Um, with that comes the 
close friendships and a lot of discipline. So that's mm-hmm. served me well professionally um, and to adapt. I had a pretty, you know, I had a really great childhood growing up and just, but always was a dreamer. Like always, I was a total geography nerd. So I was mm-hmm. in geography B several years, one, and one of those kids that always looked at maps and wanted to know every city and just put, oh, I wish to go there someday. But yeah. it didn't seem realistic because I was in Ohio, but mm-hmm. I was a big dreamer like that. The trip, I think that kind of put me on this map to be where I'm at with you today was the actually first time I went to Europe in 2014. I went to Prague with two friends and Mm -hmm. from Prague, we went to Germany and I just remember having a feeling of, I could live here. It just, something about it clicked, made sense, but I just put it out of my mind because I didn't see anybody that looked like me that did that. And Mm -hmm. I was too pragmatic of how are you going to do that? You have a house, you have this, you have Mm -hmm. that. And just didn't have have a plan in case. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I was still living in Columbus, Ohio, all my mm-hmm. uh, friends and immediate family were there. I just didn't feel I had enough of a backbone and um, guts to go out and just seek out something on my own and start mm-hmm. over again. Wow, that's incredible. Okay, so let me just recap that. So first, growing up in Ohio, Catholic school, very strong set of friends and discipline. And then um, you never imagined yourself living outside of America until you made that one trip. Yes, that's true. Like I had imagined. So that was the first trip. And then the trip I made to the Netherlands for the first time was in March of 2017. I okay, went by okay. myself, mm-hmm, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed in actually Amsterdam. So I wasn't in a tourist area. So I was in a normal neighborhood and got to get a sense of the, you know, the residency, the resident vibes and just walking around. Like I really liked living here. It seemed like it was comfortable, nice work-life balance. I just picked that up immediately. Felt like, oh, maybe I want to live here but I didn't put it out of my mind. But of course, as you know, things happen in the funny ways. I went on a date my last night in Mm -hmm. Amsterdam Mm -hmm. and it was one of the best dates of my life. And I was like, oh, I'll never see this guy again. (laughs) You know, this is just, it was a great end to a really fun trip. I had a nice date Mm -hmm. um, at the end and, you know, he walked me to my hotel, we kissed and then we stayed in contact and we entered into a long-term, long-distance relationship. So I was oh, in Ohio, he was okay, outside of okay, Amsterdam, okay. and mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of first started the uh, momentum to, okay, I could move to the Netherlands, you know, yeah. maybe this could work. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So lots of trips back and forth. Through that, I came in contact with Amsterdam Black Women Group, which was the absolute yeah, lifesaver. Yeah, we met. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. so meeting other Black women across the diaspora in um, Amsterdam specifically and seeing, you know, how, if I did move, how would it work? You know, how would I network? How would I find friends and community? So that Mm -hmm. gave me, it helped build my confidence up. So I wasn't so just dependent on my partner at the time to provide anything and everything for me because I didn't know the Dutch language, the culture and everything was, you know, new. So it was Mm -hmm. fish out of water every day. Yeah. So I love capturing that moment of like you found a community, Black women, obviously, wherever you go around the world, right? We have each other's back. Um, But this is you developing that that backbone that you were talking about earlier, right? Of like, I didn't think I could do this, but I started. Well, first off, I think it's important to note that you saw others, you finally saw others like you. 
Correct. right? Actually doing it and living that life. And then you started imagining yourself in it. I think representation is one of the most powerful concepts that I talk about on this podcast. And one of the many reasons I started this podcast as well. So I love that. And for me, the Amsterdam Black Women Group was also the lifeline in my move as well. And I just, this community, this space was uh, and continues to be so important to me uh, in that case. So let's talk about community and and making friends and settling in the Netherlands. How has that been like for you? It's been uh, a mixed bag. I mean, for the good with, you know, the Amsterdam Black Women's Group was when mm-hmm. I did finally move in August of 2020. I knew five to seven people that I could reach out through right. and, you know, ask for, you know, support, advice, or just send a text like who's available to go out and grab coffee and go walk. Somebody would always respond. So I was really fortunate in that coming during the pandemic, I had a built-in community here. And Mm -hmm. I that gave me an advantage over a lot of other, you know, for my case, Americans who came over here just knowing they had people to I had a job and that was it. Mm -hmm. So um you know, the part that was a bit difficult was when I did finally move over here, I moved over here under different circumstances. Um, Mm -hmm. Originally, I was with my partner, we were going through the partner visa process and getting ready to get finalized and um, things didn't work out. So Mm -hmm. I wasn't on that path anymore, but I still wanted to come here. So Mm -hmm. that put me back to where I was at, where I'm applying for jobs, trying to convince people of who I am versus just being comfortable in who I am and what I could bring as a professional to an organization. It really, it really kind of rattled me to my core. And I had to ask myself, did, you know, did I want to come here for the right reasons? Did you want to do this? Yes. Yes. I knew I, you know, had a community here. I had friendships and I just felt like this is a place for me to be. It just isn't in the realm that I originally planned as, you know, being in a registered partnership. At that point, when I um, when the partnership was dissolving, I had actually stopped applying for jobs because I'm like, oh, I'm going to come on that route and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Because um, you know, hundreds of interviews and just resumes, I had just been burnt out. So right. I mm-hmm. I decided to step back. And then I remember it was mid February of 2020. I saw a role that came on LinkedIn. I was like, you know what? Let me just try it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I applied talked to the recruiter and what stood out to me from that versus other Dutch companies was I think their transparency of just saying, Hey, we're not good at such and such. Mm -hmm. And we really need help with this. And I appreciated their honesty and vulnerability versus other Dutch companies I'd gone to where it's like, you need to try to impress us with who you are and what you can do for us. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I clicked with him immediately like that. And then, you know, interviewed with the hiring managers and other team, team leads. And, you know, five weeks later, um, I had a job offer. Oh. You know? So it wasn't it went from like the, the partnership is dissolved, but you have a job offer on your own. So yes. coming over, I'm different. So you're not going to do this. Right. So yeah. yes, I am coming here by myself, um, not uh, in a partnership and ha- make, you know, making it work. Wow. Okay. I want to put a pin on sort of the social side of your life and just talk about your career for a bit. You already hinted at a couple of interesting things about the job market and how it works, right? So let's talk about your career arc. What do you do? How did you get to do what you do now? And we'll get into perhaps the differences between the job market in America and the job market in the Netherlands. Okay. So my career arc, I've been in the content marketing customer loyalty space for uh, probably five to seven years. And Mm -hmm. what that's looked like is helping marketing retail 
teams or clients with messaging as far as customer engagement, you know, if it's on .com, app, social, in-store, digital, digital eager system, helping them define their messaging. So mm-hmm. I've, you know, been as far as, you know, content marketeer, helping as a copywriter, copy editor, just shaping that message across different touch points. So mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. worked with direct employers and consulting in that in that space as well. So it's a lot of writing content for different audiences and having to put myself in different positions of like, am I a customer at this place? How am mm-hmm. I, how do I want to be communicated? Am I, you know, sending the right messaging and being that kind of lens holistically across um, a marketing landscape, how that switched to what I'm doing now as a technical writer. Um, it is, you know, there's definitely, there's writing, but the, obviously the audience is more engineers mm-hmm. and software developers and, you know, IT managers. So it's still shaping content, but it's very technical content. It doesn't have right. the emotional residency that, you know, writing a campaign for, you know, women's, you know, soft, soft lines would have, you know, hey, mm-hmm. how does this API work? How do I integrate with this merchant for, to accept online payment? So it's very different. It's very binary, but it's still storytelling in a different way. So with the company I'm at now, being the first technical writer there, it's setting up the framework of Mm -hmm. how to deliver content. So that was exciting to take my experience and shape what does, you know, content intake look like and documentation. How do you want to tell the story and how to build a department that didn't exist, you Mm -hmm. know, with my peer. And then, you know, just really having a lot of it was behind the scenes work of trial and error. So I learned a lot on the job, worked with really smart people and wasn't Mm -hmm. afraid to ask questions, you know, how does this work? You know, are we sure it's doing that? Because to get my technical um, knowledge up and also coming at it from a content, you know, point of view, where we're working with a lot of audiences across EMEA and English isn't everyone's first language. So having somebody coming in and, you know, helping them you know, really brilliant people tell about this amazing product or feature they built. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what did you study to get into this space? Um, actually, in college, I minor, I majored in English and had a minor in technical writing. So I was doing okay. this back <laughs> then, right? but I had got into copy editing and proofreading. And then, you know, technical writing came back I'm like, oh, I get to use my college degree and that yeah. kind of things. But uh as a copywriter on their jobs, you know, they're like, oh, you're pretty good at writing. Could you figure out the software? It was just a lot of it's just breaking it down to, you mm-hmm. know, steps and just trying it. Like, can you see, you know, take what's written and, and do what it says? So, yeah. Yeah. So what were the main differences between communicating um, what you do to in the U.S. job market versus the Netherlands job market? Oh, that's a good question because it just came up yesterday by a Dutch coworker. Um, <laughs> so our company I'm working with is an American company. So what he brought up was is excellent. I think in the U.S. it's very much about what are you producing, what are you delivering. It's about action. What do you do? Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of find sometimes it's whatever you do and what you're responsible for dictates the level of respect you'll get. You know, I, I think it's still on a very hierarch- hierarchical um, strategy as far as. I am a senior manager. I will get this amount of respect because it's a senior manager where you could have an individual coordinator or specialist who may have just as much knowledge as a senior mm-hmm. manager, may not about more, but may not get the respect or influence um, mm-hmm. as a senior manager. So I think just from the U.S., it's more about that production output and what you can do and in selling yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think especially in the interview process and even how um, resumes are set up. Um, mm-hmm. When I would submit mm-hmm. resumes in the U.S., it's about 
here's my accomplishments. Here's the metrics to go with them. Aren't I so great? Look, right. look at everything I can do and produce. I can do this in X amount of time and save X amount of money. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Dutch market, yes, that's important. But I found it was more about who, yes, but who are you as a person away mm-hmm. from your job? And that was something I had to unlearn you know, when I was interviewing because it would trip me up. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm Courtney. I worked at this, you know, this amount of companies. I've you yes. know, worked on these kind of projects and, mm-hmm. you know, these type of budgets and these types of teams and these cool things. And they just were like, yeah, that's great. But you know, who are you? And mm-hmm. it was a struggle for me because I'm a bit of a private person. Like, well, what do you mean? Who am I? Like what that has nothing to do with the job. You know, you want me to come in and perform, I'll come in and perform. So mm-hmm. it's more, I think the Dutch approach was more of like, how are you going to fit in with people? Right. Wow. It just didn't click with them. And Mm -hmm. I, you know, talked to friends, like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And so I worked with a really good uh, career coach who was specific for um, expats and really helps break down the cultures. Like, you know, it could be the employee, you know, that employer is very, you know, traditional and Dutch. They want folks to be a certain way and you're just too much. Or, mm-hmm. you know, they might think that you're too individualistic and you're not going to be a team player. You know, and, you know, in the Netherlands, they have, you know, the Polder model where if anybody works in the Netherlands knows it's meetings upon meetings. People mm-hmm. want to be heard. It's about building consensus, completely opposite from the US, where it's like you're in a meeting to get things done. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody doesn't uh, do what they're supposed to do. You could get called out about it. So, where Netherlands, it's like, we're going to meet to discuss and hear everybody's point of view, everybody's right. feeling on something. Consensus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, that's why they don't get shit done fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, yes. all the vaccines. We're all just waiting over here to yeah. know what's going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Let's go back to the earlier experience you talked about of your own modesty and black women in general, um, not owning what you accomplished and, and, and what you, what you, what you did uh, in, in your career and in your life. Tell me more about your experiences with that in America, as well as in the Netherlands. Um, I think my experience in America, as far as being modest, I, was very naive to think my accomplishments would speak for themselves instead of mm. me amplifying my accomplishments. So, right. you know, I know it's probably kept some promotions from coming my way, getting, mm-hmm. as, you know, special assignments because then you know, I had managers say like, hey, oh, I forget about you all on the team. You're just so quiet and your head's down and you're just working. And, you know, I felt uncomfortable kind of, you know, bragging and celebrating myself and saying, hey, I did this really cool thing. I found this, you know, new way to do work. And I'm really excited. I want to share about that. You know, I was mm-hmm. still really naive thinking, you know, you know, my work with self would get recognized and, right. and it just didn't until like you, you have to be uncomfortable enough to amplify it. And coupled with my confidence wasn't as high to feel like to amplify my accomplishments. And then if, you know, somebody gave me negative feedback, not to take it so personally and just mm-hmm. like, you know, take that feedback and use it to improve. So yeah, that was definitely a hold, you know, holding me back. I think in you know, in the States, I would say in the Netherlands, it's, you know, with that consensus building, it's, it's a, it's a bit of a, the free, I think it's, I find it to be, you really have to thread the needle of, okay. It, yeah, I'm thinking about it. it just takes a lot, a different tact of 
showing your work off and not being too boastful because mm-hmm. of, you know, the Dutch, you know, their approach to modesty is, you know, that's where that consensus building is. And it's kind of like all, you know, rising tides lift all boats, not just one person did great. And, you know, mm-hmm. these people were supporting players. So it, it definitely takes a uh, more skill in that and you know perhaps it's going to meet with a manager one-on-one about your passions and finding individually how you can do that without you know you know outshining the team it's Mm -hmm. it's something i'm still trying to you know work through and you know figure out also depends on like the team you're on and the kind of environment if it's a dutch company or if it's a multinational i'm finding that has influence as well and sometimes you just have a mix and they just it's you know it's a odd marriage you find your way around. You find a way around. And sometimes I have like an all or nothing. Like it either went perfectly well or, or it didn't. It was a failure. It's like yeah. that should part really kind of hit home with me. I'm thinking of, they're like, oh, we did success, you know, building this portal that I'm working on project. I'm like, yeah, but this went wrong. That went wrong. It's it's helped me kind of slow down say, you know, momentum can count towards wins as well. Mm. It doesn't have to be the final, you know, you know, cross the finish line. It's like yeah. the momentum gets celebrated more. And yeah. that's something I should do. You know, be you know recognized more more. cognizant i love it courtney you talked about having a career coach uh who was specific to experts how did you find your coach and what were the key learnings you you had from your coach uh, I worked with a black female um, expat okay. coach who works oh. in um, Amsterdam. Someone had shared a link with her on Facebook. So I did a, a consultation with her in January of 2019. And at that point, I had just been burnt out, sending out applications, you mm-hmm. know, not getting offers and just said, I need something different. And, Doing things know, the American way. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I talked to her and shared, you know, where I was coming up against roadblocks and decided to work with her and make an investment because it was a financial investment. I will say that, you know, yes. with that, it wasn't a guarantee that I would, you know, find work, but uh, she really helped me define and execute a strategy. And as we talked about earlier, unlearning some of that American mindset of going, of looking for jobs, mm-hmm. as American versus, you know, looking for jobs in a Dutch, you know, job market. So mm-hmm. it was really when looking at my strategies, finding companies, you know, writing out what are my values, what is really important for me to find in an employer mm-hmm. and then look for companies that match that. And it was just... Um, from there, just looking for people that worked at these companies, trying to get informational interviews and just trying to find out as much as I can. And then just really narrowing down the list of places to work and not just nice. like, okay, here's every you know tech company in Amsterdam and you know whatever square mile radius where it's like, I'm going to focus on these, you know, 15 companies and mm-hmm. try to build connections and grow from there. And then, you know, finding a role that way. Right. Being accountable. Like we had, I had homework assignments I had to do and, you know, mm-hmm. I had to you know do them and go over it with her and just helped me with the mindset of it. And then I worked with another coach uh, when she went on leave in the U.S. and she helped me from the executional part of it as far as okay. work on your cover letter, what's work mm-hmm. on your resume and those types of things. Yeah. I love this concept of coaches because um, investing in yourself is something that a lot of people definitely neglect. Or they look at a price tag (laughs) and they think, oh, my God, no, (laughs) I will not do that. And I think it's a missed it's a missed opportunity uh, for for development. I love hearing all your experiences like this. So 
again, your career coach, um, is she still working in this space? Yeah, she's still working in a space. I definitely share her information. I'll put it in the show notes so folks can can look her up uh, mm-hmm. because I am a huge fan of investing in yourself as well. I'm really glad that you made that choice because it obviously had great benefits for you uh, and got you to where you are right now. And it's something that everyone should actively think about, I think. Yeah, so you do your work and just find a coach that you know works best for you. Right, right. Yeah, because it's like a relationship too. Absolutely. (laughs) Not every single one of them is going to work for you in in, in that case. Courtney, let's talk about your experience with race in the Netherlands. So you've only been here a few months, but you, you had been here before a bunch of times. One of the things I'm really exploring this season is how women um who different women experience um race in the in the Netherlands right mm-hmm. and i'm saying this in the context of um at least for me so i've been here like 2 years now uh and my perception of it uh well, and we did go through a whole racial pandemic <laughs> last year it was here as well but the conversations were very different than what would happen in america right in terms of the context is very different and my biggest thing is it there seems to be some like denial <laughs> in this society about their attitude towards race right people claim to be colorblind and stuff like that anyways you probably know what i'm talking about what has that been like for you socially and also professionally? I would say socially race um, here is definitely one of maybe a willful or an acceptance of their own ignorance. Um, mm. What that means for me is that they'll be first to say Amsterdam is one of the, you know, I think there's 150 different nationalities in the city of Amsterdam. Like we're totally diverse, you know, we're a tolerant city, you know, so on and so forth. But yet, Mm -hmm. you know, many of the streets and buildings are named after, you know, explorers and slave traders, you know, the the link to colonialism in Amsterdam is everywhere in street Mm -hmm. games and buildings. And it's just, it's never addressed. Amsterdam is, I'll say it, it's very segregated when, you know, Mm -hmm. I was looking for homes and, you know, I had, you know, landlords or someone say like, oh, you don't want to be in this area. It's not so nice. And I knew that was code for Southeast. Right. I've gone to Southeast Amsterdam. It's, you know, mostly black and brown people, but it mm. just had that code. And so in, in those types of things, you know, obviously looking at apartments and when I would show up then it was like, oh, 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 you're American, you know, that's different. And those mm. types of things, you know, people feel comfortable to say all kind of ignorant comments like, oh, there's too many immigrants here, but I, I don't mean you because, you know, you're, you know, you're an expat, so you have a high paying job and people mm-hmm. feeling comfortable about that. You know, Zortopy is a whole other yeah. <laughs> mess oh, that no. is, you know, <laughs> we won't step into, but you know, those who know know. So it's a I definitely agree with you about a denial their place in it because mm-hmm. um yeah, because when, you know, I was thinking that when Black Lives Matter was happening, you know, some of my coworkers would ask me things about racial things. And I think they come at it from a place of curiosity and just not knowing, but bringing it up as small talk. And it's just like, for me to unpack, you know, U.S., you know, race relations and issues is not small talk. It's emotionally mm-hmm. very draining. And it's something mm-hmm. I can't give you a two minute answer about. Right. And, you know, I found some Dutch folks would be quick to point like, oh, 
America has so many race issues and blah, blah, blah. We don't have that here. And I'm just like, uh, maybe talk to your other black uh, Dutch citizens in Suriname and Curacao, Aruba, mm-hmm. Bonaire, and, and other ones, you know, Dutch Moroccans, Dutch Turks. Right. They feel the same way about that. So it's definitely a denial. Professionally, I would say the discrimination here is definitely more... Um, it's not as overt here. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Thing, I think they did the study about people who were um, sending in applications with like Dutch Moroccan surnames and then taking that same application and giving it a traditional Dutch name and ones that the traditional names were getting called in. Like that's mm-hmm. been uh, been proven. They've had different agencies do those experiments, but nothing's you know changed. Like I mm-hmm. you know I was interviewing for roles and one company in particular told me to my face, like, we know you can do the job. We have no doubt in your abilities. You could bring so much to the role. But you know what they do, I found here is like, you're just not a culture fit, mm. which was, you know, not white and Dutch, but they would be the first ones all over the website saying like, oh, we're so diverse. We have 20 different nationalities. They love mm-hmm. talking about all the different nationalities, but you go on their page, I'm like, their nationalities around the EU. I don't see anybody from you know, the continent of Africa or mm-hmm. Asia or South America or North America. So there's definitely a a blind spot to that. Mm-hmm. And I think they feel they fix it by look at all these nationalities we have and we're so diverse. But until they have qualified diverse candidate change, then it becomes, oh, well, we're a Dutch company and we need to have this. I'm like, but mm-hmm. you're all speaking in English. So it's not the language that's going to be a barrier. What is it? They'll, mm-hmm. you know, squirm. They're not going to, you know, answer it because it's really uncomfortable to say, hey, we have an affinity bias. You don't look like us. Mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable working with that, but I can't say it. So I'll just throw right. out that culture fit, you know, as the, the, culture yeah, fit. even knowing that, even though I'm admitting, yes, you can do the job and do well at it. Yeah. I can confirm those experiences as well. (laughs) I'm sure a lot of women can. I want to zero in on something you said just a couple of moments ago, which was about being American, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I think last last season, I did highlight this article when I interviewed uh, Brittany, who also lived in Amsterdam, uh, talking about the experts who leave America and have better experiences living outside. The article that I referenced was talking about, yeah, these Black experts were interviewed, talking their experiences where leaving America was like a lot off them. <laughs> right. Uh, was there like a lot of them in terms of like encountering racism and, and stuff like that. And they all chose to then leave outside even long term when they didn't even think they would uh, for that reason as well. What is your experience with that? Or is it similar to that? Um, what can you uh, what is your experience with that? Um, I would say my experience is just, it's a different type of freedom. I was talking to a friend a couple of weeks ago and it popped in my head. I'm you know, walking around the Jordan, brisk day, having a cup of coffee. And I just felt this sense, like I just had a sense of freedom. Like I didn't have the fear that somebody has a handgun and could come up and harm me. Like, mm-hmm. yes, there's guns here in the Netherlands, but they're not as prolific. Like I'm where I'm from in Ohio, it's an open carry state. You can have mm-hmm. a gun and go into a grocery store, a church, mm-hmm. a school. So mm-hmm. there's always I don't know, that fear that somebody is, you know, carrying a weapon. And it just, I, I've let my guard down in certain ways because I don't have certain fears like that. Right. Um, you know, it's, you know, the police is a good example. Like the police here often like, you know, walk by and say, hi, how are you doing? And I, I have a very you know, a nervous <laughs> reaction. I'll be very honest. I'm I was still, like, are you talking to me? I didn't right, do anything. You know, yeah. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, you're actually, actually 
seeing how my day is and smiling and it's still uncomfortable for me. That's just a reaction I have. And I don't mm. know if I'll ever, you know, get rid of it. PTSD, um, PTSD from yeah. America. Yeah. So in that, in that term, um, the work-life balance here, like I work really hard. My coworkers work hard, but when it comes to, you know, five 30 or one of our days over the work, the day's over, we're not answering None. emails. We're yeah, it's, it's done. There's a clear demarcation from that. So that, you know, people, work to live, not live to work, you know, right. there's time for leisurely activities. Like, if, um, as you know, these, this is a very active culture of people biking, running, mm-hmm. doing all types of things. People have outdoor passions and hobbies that are encouraged and not just like, how is this going to cut into your productivity? It's like, no, this right. is what I have to make me, you know, be a full, you know, independent person outside of my job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think people are then, um, the, it, it's, it's, it's the manager's not even expecting you to reply to emails. Yeah. That makes a world of difference right. in a way. Tell me more about the things you enjoy about um, living in the Netherlands. So yes, absolutely. The work-life balance and, and stuff like that. What else? I, I have, I enjoy the public transportation. Like I mm-hmm. don't have to have a car. Like I can get any around, you know, by train or tram relatively quickly. Uh, it's just a place that it's just very laid back. Like mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't feel like it's a city so much that you need to be dressed and pressed to be seen and do those things. It's more of like, uh, it's, you know, the term hazelic, everything's very cozy and comfortable and yeah. just like going in on a terrace at a distance, of course, and just, mm-hmm. you know, can just have a relaxing time. Like you could just be walking around and just, you know, go to the canal, read a book and just do really simple pleasures. And that's mm-hmm. enough. No pressure. No pressure. I love it. Yeah, I can I can confirm those things as well. All right. Let's wrap it up. Courtney, what is your hype up song? Oh, my hype up song is I Am by mm. Young Baby Tate. It's really a song of just nothing but positive um, Positive affirmation. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I found it on a... Spotify playlist. It's called just like high vibes. It's just all these positive songs. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, get you know, right mood set. And I found like, yes. oh, I really like this song. So mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. That's very cool. Yeah, positive affirmations every morning. Tell yourself you're about to go out there and kill it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you could describe yourself with three words, what would they be, and why? I definitely use the word resilience. In some ways, it's kind of having emotional short-term memory, just with any kind of challenge or knockdowns comes, having that space where, wow, that really hurts, that sucks. Okay, get up, press on, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, especially with the, you know, partnership visa not working out and just Mm -hmm. like, okay, got to come here a different way, or maybe you don't come here and that's Mm -hmm. okay too. So Second word, I would definitely say curious. I just like to know things and, and experience, you know, different things. I mean, I'm in a new country, so everything just, it just heightens my curiosity of, hey, why is the language do these things like this? You know, yes. why, you know, you know, why are certain things set up this way? Um, mm-hmm. You know, different cultures, you know, within, you know, the framework of working in Netherlands is, you know, makes me more curious to learn more and what can it teach me? And I think the third word, I would say I'm a dreamer. Definitely. I'm one that likes to daydream, imagine and be creative and just mm-hmm. sometimes just like in a space out at home and just kind of think of different ways to do things. And then like, oh, I have an idea. I could, you know, right now I've been better at keeping a journal by my bed to write those things down mm-hmm. and just say, oh, how can I use this? Yeah, I love it. And you continue to dream. Yes. 
as well, right? Uh, It's evident by this massive move that you made in the middle of a pandemic, it changing also how the move was going to happen and just continuing uh, with it. I love it. Thanks for saying that, Courtney. What three maybe pieces of art? There's already been so much that I've been furiously taking notes here as well uh, from your story. But um, I'd love to know three pieces of advice you would leave other women of color out there um, in the corporate world with. Um, three pieces of advice. I think one piece of advice I have is about boundaries and just saying mm-hmm. that a lack of boundaries invites a lack of respect. Professionally, being courageous enough to say no and not be enough and not give, you know, a reason as to mm-hmm. why. Um, yeah. No is a full sentence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. protect your space yeah. and your energy. If it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. And to trust yourself with mm-hmm. that. Another piece of advice I would just say, you know, out, you know, out of fear and vulnerability comes strength. And just, it takes a lot of strength to be vulnerable. For me, mm-hmm. even recording this episode takes a lot. Anyone knows me well, yeah. I'm a very shy person. So the Aww. fact that I'm talking this openly is a huge leap for me. If you would have told me this a year ago, I would have declined it. I'll be pretty blunt. I would have said, no, uh-huh. I don't want to go on the show. I'm too shy. I don't want people knowing my business, but mm-hmm. uh, you have to let people in sometimes because you let people in good things can happen. Uh, so I love it. Yeah. I love it. Okay. And one more. This was something someone told me and I wrote it down because I actually repeated it to two years ago in another space. And, and it's, uh, you know, goes along the lines of and not acknowledge fears in the audience. However, it's not the only attendee. So is growth, joy, abundance, and courage. So it's, uh. For someone like me, who's kind of sometimes an all or nothing, black or white thinking, it's just to get more shades of gray and not don't always think, you know, the worst case scenario, you know, the worst case could just be getting no or just like, oh, that didn't work out now. Mm -hmm. Now what? So (laughs) having a plan, like I said, having a plan uh, after you get, you know, nobody has a plan after you get hit in the mouth. So it's like, okay, Mm -hmm. I got hit in the mouth. (laughs) Now I got to figure out. I got to figure out how to get past this. Right. <laughs> what a great story. Courtney, thank you so much for being on the on the pod today. I think I personally, I mean, I already know you for a while, <laughs> but I already learned so much um, about you uh, in this. Thanks for sharing your experiences. I love how you've grown and how you committed to growing yourself, getting a career coach, for instance, investing in yourself. And I just, I couldn't pick any different words to describe you than the three you just said right now. <laughs> like resilience, come on now. <laughs> Courtney, what is next for you in your career? What are you thinking about? Which direction is this going? Next for me is just taking on roles in leadership, really having a team to build mm-hmm. and grow from, taking all the experiences I've learned from working in this country and in you know the United States and just having, helping building out a strategy, you know, long-term fits with my company, you know, where mm-hmm. do I want us to go from a documentation point of view, from not having that culture? How do I build that culture, not just from our, our team, but, you know, globally in our you mm-hmm. know region? How do I make us see the value in the talent we have and how do we promote that talent through documentation? How do we get them to, you know, work with me, work with the team and just build that trust? So I think it's for me, it is just, yeah, I just want to build and lead by example. I'm sure I I would be in your And execute. I'm in the point, like I want to do more execution of, I've got a lot of experience. I've seen a lot. I'm still Mm -hmm. open to learn. Now it's like, how can I take this and shape it into 
you know, a, a grander role in a different way, you know, lead, actually be more of, you know, lead, lead by title versus, you know, leading from tactical work. Yes. I love it. Uh, please hire me when you are. <laughs> I would work for Courtney for sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just love your energy. It's inspiring, right? Yeah. It's it's like here, we. I know we would get shit done. Yes. You know that. <laughs> remember cancers. Hello. <laughs> oh, yes. Courtney and I share a birthday month. And yes. don't you miss our last birthday celebration in yes. Paris? Yes, for oh, our oh, audience. Oh. Yeah, we celebrated our birthday together July 2019, my milestone birthday in Paris, yes. France. With- <laughs> <laughs> At Afropunk. Uh, I yes. can't wait. I can't wait. I think next year we might be able to do it again. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. All right. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you so much for everything. Thank you, Nancy. I had a lot of fun doing this. So that's it for me this week. Thanks to my wonderful guest, Courtney, for blessing all of us with her story and wisdom. Now, I would love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Uh, So come over to the B2C Instagram and LinkedIn page and share your thoughts or send me a DM. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give this podcast five stars wherever you're listening to it from. And don't forget to share it with your network. Lastly, you can also make a small donation to help keep this podcast going. Buy me a coffee with the link in the show notes. Next week, I'll be back with a reflection of some of what Courtney and I talked about. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe, be empowered, and stay inspired. <laughs>